Welcome into another episode of The Third and Out. This is Chris Heil here, week two with Justin. Justin, how are we doing tonight, man? Very good, sir. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing great. I can't believe we're already on a, a number two episode of us, man. It's just flying by already. Time flies, my friend. So we're going to go ahead and talk about a, uh, our tiers here. We're going to go over our top tier, you know, the guys that are kind of picked in round one, possibly round two, uh, just kind of those top picks that, you know, why are people taking these people near the top? And we're going to kind of go into a little detail of why we like these guys or maybe why we don't like them and why you should maybe wait for them later on in round two. But before we get into all that, I want to go ahead and let everyone know that we are on fakepigskin.com. That's where you hear our podcast at. I want to go ahead and thank uh, the boys over there for allowing us to do this each week and putting up with us. I mean, we are pretty good looking guys, but, you know, we can be a handful sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> right, and so as of next week, we're going to have a special guest on here. And Justin, let everyone know a little bit about him. Oh. It's actually pretty interesting that um, I ran into Evan Silva on Twitter, who is well-known in the industry. He's written for um, Roto World for about a decade now. He was telling me I just interviewed him. So next Thursday night, I'm, I'm actually pr- really excited to see what he has to say as we discuss rankings and it's, et cetera. Yeah, we'll go ahead and pick his mind and kind of get into, you know, how he's been able to go ahead and produce great information for over 10 years. I mean, that's something pretty amazing that not everyone can do. You know, eventually you do get burnt out, and he's been doing this for a while. Fascinating stuff. He's one of the um, the real gurus of the industry. So we'll see next week what he has to say. It should be interesting. So go ahead, and if you're not following him already, give him a follow. I believe his Twitter name is that Evan Silva. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, thought. sir. Alright, and then you can go ahead and follow, uh, me on Twitter, we're at the Grizzly Beard, and Justin, you can go ahead and follow him at... Lanero underscore Justin. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to mess it up and people following the wrong account. It's all good. Alright, so let's go ahead and get started into this. Last week we went ahead and started with quarterbacks with everything. We're gonna drop it on the other end on this one tonight, Justin. We'll start with the tight ends. So, I went on to ADP. Uh, I went on to myfantasyleague.com. Checked out the ADP of the top tight ends. Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, Julius Thomas, and Jordan Cameron were the top four tight ends. Uh, out of the four, who's your favorite? Who's your least favorite? I don't think I'm going on a limb here by saying that uh, Jimmy Graham is obviously the best tight end in the NFL, whether that's for fantasy or just being a tight end of the NFL. Although, I, as far as um, a paycheck goes, I, I think he wants to be a wide receiver. Um, there's Jimmy Graham and there's, there's everybody else. And his numbers will, will show that over the last couple of years. He's a, he's a guy that's he can be taken at the tail end of, of round one in a redraft or early round two. I would have no problem. But 
he's a guy that's going to have 90 to 100 catches every year, 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns. Those numbers are every bit of Calvin Johnson and all the other upper-tier wide receivers. So it's Jimmy Graham and everybody else. Now, what you actually said was very, very interesting. And, you know, a lot of people aren't talking about this yet. And as it gets kind of closer, people will. Jimmy Graham does want that wide receiver contract. He wants that big pay. So what happens when he does, if he gets that? I could actually see in fantasy leagues where he is labeled as a wide receiver then and not a tight end. So let me ask you this real quick, Justin. If that's the case, as a wide receiver, is he a top five wide receiver for you then? He, he might not be top five, but he is around there. He, I mean, he'd definitely be top ten. Um, he just has that frame. He's a tall guy. He's six seven. He can go up, and, and he also has one of the best quarterbacks in the league getting on the ball. So there's no, it's not a matter of whether or not he's going to get the football. Uh, it's, it's um, he is a. I mean, he looks like a wide receiver on the surface. He's a wide receiver, but technically, he's a tight end. Yeah, and you know, one good thing to look at Jimmy Graham is he's getting the ball in quantities. I mean, he's. That's an offense that's always throwing. You know, it's, you don't ever have to worry about, man, are they going to run this week? You know, should I maybe sit him? And, and, you know, that's the big thing about Jimmy Graham is, you know, he's always going to get his balls thrown to him. Um, but actually, when it comes down to the fantasy rankings, I, it's so, super early, but I have Julius Thomas ahead of Jimmy Graham, and I'm probably like one of the only people in the world that have that. And it's just because... Wow. There's a reason for this, and I, you know, that's the whole reason I want to start with this. I get excited. Julius Thomas is going to get a ton, a ton of red zone targets. I, with Eric Decker gone, you know, he got a majority of the red zone target targets. I see Julius Thomas increasing his red zone targets uh, and touchdowns. I see the touchdowns increasing by at least six. And I, you know, it is a gamble. But where you're getting Julius Thomas right now in drafts, Jimmy Graham's going in the first round. Sometimes he gets to the second. Julius Thomas is getting to late second into the third. I like the value there. I would, I feel more comfortable gambling with Julius Thomas where you can go ahead and get, you know, your run, a top running back, a top wide receiver, and then you can get possibly the top tight end. What do you, how do you feel about that, Justin? Yeah, I, I... He's a, he's a close second for sure. Um, he only played 14 games last year and he had 12 touchdowns. So, you know, you said he was going to go up six. That puts him at 18 touchdowns. It's, hey, 18 is not out of the realm of possibility with, with Peyton Manning giving you the football. So it's, and you, t- you kind of touched on Decker leaving. That, that gives another mouth to feed. Not that he wasn't being fed last season. Thomas is definitely a top. There's Jimmy Graham, you have Thomas, and then there's a couple other guys we'll talk about, but for sure. Um, his, his receptions will probably have to go up. I'm looking at, I think, 65 catches last year, so he could, there's room for more receptions, but maybe with a full season, he only played 14 games, so. Now, just another quick question here while we're talking about Julius Thomas. You know, a big part of that offense for the Broncos is, you know, the passing game opens up the run game, but the run game also opens up the passing game. How much are you trusting Monty Ball? Because, I mean, if we're not trusting Monty Ball, Peyton Manning has to trust Monty Ball, that means they might just throw even more than we than everyone kind of anticipates. 
There was a trust issue last year, and that's why we saw how Sean Moran had the gear that he had. Um, but I think there is some trust now. Uh, he's obviously a year older, and I've seen him as high as uh, fifth among uh running back rankings already. So it's that's a little high for me because the jury's still out on Monty Ball. He hasn't done anything. So I, I'm not at – I can't just throw him at the top of um, the running back rankings right now. But he is a guy that can – like I said, if he gets – if that running game gets going, the offense is as scary as it gets in the NFL. Yeah, my – I mean, the trust issues are just – I'm not ready for it, and I know he's going into the system, and you know he's made Joseph Adai good. You know, Peyton Manning's made Joseph Adai good. He's made Noshawn Marino, who everyone like was pretty much wrote off, come out of nowhere. You know, it's just I don't see the love, and I don't. You know, I he was awesome in college, but I just I don't I don't get excited over him. I think I have him. He's actually on my thirteenth running back overall. And, you know, it's just kind of surprising to me. And I, I know where he's not a top-tier guy, but, you know, the reason I brought him up is because he's going to either help or absolutely make Julius Thomas and Demarius Thomas struggle. Where if they're throwing all the time, people are just going to go back in coverage all the time and not have anyone in the box. I agree. Um, he's, he's a, I mean, you know, we're talking about tight ends here. The ball is... In a position now where he's going to get the ball, um, he's a three-down back. He's going to get the ball to goal line, so he's he's a, he's going to be a heavy volume guy as well. Um, Manning made no Sean Moreno. I think the numbers look a little skewed last year. He has a tendency, like you said, about the Joseph Adai's of the world. Um, he also had Edron James at his disposal way back. I was probably a teenager when that happened, so he was. Time will tell. Another instance where time will tell, and I think that people have money, high expectations for for Monty Ball, and he hasn't done anything. So the jury's out for sure. So we both agree, Julius Thomas, Jimmy Graham are right there for the one and two. Um, who do, would you say consensus is Rob Gronkowski at three? I think you have to based on his history, but he is a very fragile. Fragile man for his frame, it wouldn't look like that on the surface. But I think he's had four or five forearm surgeries, the knee, the ankle, and well, I'm in New England. Obviously, this is a guy. Um, his priorities look like they're a mess. I mean, I'm not going to get into his personal life and stuff like that. Every time you see a picture of him, he's on a beach drinking a beer. Um, doing this, that, and the other thing. doesn't look like he's taking the proper channels to get himself healthy when he should be getting himself in football shape. He's down at Mardi Gras or something else. But I will say this. In, in 2011, he had a season that I've never seen out of a tight end. Maybe Jimmy Graham, um, but yeah, 90 catches, over 1,300 yards, and 17 touchdowns. I mean, those are... So he has the potential to even... Uh, be as good, if not better, than Jimmy Graham. It's just a matter of staying on the field. Yeah, you're exactly correct there. And you know, Tom Brady trusts him, so you know the ball's going to be thrown to him, you know, over and over and over again. Especially when it gets close to the red zone, the trust is there in in Gronkowski. It's just, can he stay focused and stay healthy enough to 
to be on the field every single Sunday. And, you know, that's the thing that kind of scares me about him is, you know, I don't necessarily reach for him early, like early in the rounds. I kind of wait. And if he falls into my lap, it just kind of happens because, you know, he is a headache and, you know, he was, he took forever to heal last year coming into the season. I think he's played in like week eight or nine. I could be off on that, but I know that it took a long time, and I was expecting him to be back by like week week three or four. Just one of those guys that he, he can't stay healthy, and if it's not one ailment, it's another ailment. And again, it it doesn't seem like. I mean, he's a his talent level is through the roof with a combination of the size of his hands, his frame. He's a enormous red zone target and I see him every Sunday but he's hurt if it's not one thing it's another thing and he's a he's a he's a he's a partier I mean we we did when we were in our 20s he's in his early 20s he's got money he's got the looks I just don't know that um, football is his number one priority yeah so let's go ahead and move to the next guy we had on our list here we're going to talk about Jordan Cameron a little bit and, you know, where do you kind of see him falling uh, as far as rankings, and what are your expectations for him? I, do, I like Jordan Cameron. I think he's a top where we're kind of getting towards the the bottom or the middle tier, I should say, of the, the tight ends, and he's right outside the upper the upper tier for me. Um, he is a top five guy. Another, he's a physical um, athlete. In the middle of the field, and if if Johnny Manziel is going to be quarterback, this is the type of guy that's going to bring Manziel's numbers up, and and Cameron can benefit as well. Um, I think it was Brian Hoyer last year is what made Jordan Cameron's numbers um, awesome, and then when Brandon Whedon kind of found his way back, he just vanished. But there's no question, Jordan. Uh, Jordan Cameron is. Uh, I mean, he's, I mean, the first couple rounds. No, I'm, I'm a guy that primarily waits on a tight end. I, feel, I find you can get good value in the middle. I'm not getting a Jimmy Graham or a healthy Rob Gronkowski. Um, then a, a guy like Cameron, you ought to be able to get at a cheap price for good value. Well, if any of our listeners didn't know, well, they're going to find out now. I am, unfortunately, a Cleveland Browns fan. So when it comes to watching their games, watching preseason, last year I was able to go ahead and, you know, I was telling people Jordan Cameron is going to be a sleeper tight end. I was able to go ahead, and that's the one thing I can kind of toot my horn on, is I was really high on Julius Thomas, and I was high on Jordan Cameron. I had a bunch of other misses, but those were the two guys, and I was so excited about it. Jordan Cameron is a very, very good athlete. He's very physical. He jumps up for the ball. He's aggressive when he's going for the ball. And those are a lot of small traits that I like when I look at tight ends and different receivers is do they let the ball come to them or do they go up for the ball? Jordan Cameron goes for the ball. And that's a very, very positive thing when you want or when you're when you have a tight end, especially in the red zone. Unfortunately, there's going to be some sort of Break or meltdown or something in Cleveland. It happens every year. Hoyer's probably going to start the season, and then Menzel's going to come in, and then I don't know who's going to finish the season. So, unfortunately for that, I have Jordan Cameron at my sixth overall tight end, which, you know, is kind of that 
that second tier just outside the first tier of of tight ends. And so I still think he's going to have a great season. I don't think it will be the same one he had last year, but I think he'll be kind of that safe guy where you should wait for him in the middle rounds. Yes, sir. So we'll go ahead and switch gears here a little bit. We'll go into the wide receivers. Now, there's <laughs> all these guys can be flip-flopped for the majority of them besides Megatron. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yep. So we got Megatron, we got A.J. Green, we have Demarius Thomas and Des Bryant. Um, besides Megatron, who's your favorite of the three? This, this took me a little while to, to think about, but um, based on numbers and where he's at, um, if you asked me this question last year, I would have said Des Bryant or A.J. Green. I'm going to have to, from a, a safe standpoint, I'd have to go Demarius Thomas. Um, he played all 16 games last year, over 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, and just in an offense that goes. We were, we were just talking about Orange Julius. This is an offense that, that's going to go again, uh, permitting um, Peyton Manning's head stays attached. I mean, it's it's just um, – and now that Eric Decker's gone, um, Thomas is just going to – he's still he's, – he's young. So I'm, I put it underneath Calvin Johnson. I have to go to Marius Thomas. But you could make an argument for a, a couple of other, other guys. But for me, probably in round two um, – Demarius Tom, I know I would have no problem grabbing him as my uh, wide receiver one. Yeah, a lot of these guys, like you said, you couldn't getting any of the three are awesome. Uh, when I went, I use Fantasy Pros for a lot of rankings. I'm on there, uh, hoping to get you on there soon, Justin, where you can go ahead and compare your picks against other people's like Evan Silva. You can compare it against Dave Richard, Matthew Berry from ESPN. You can kind of see where you are and then they give out awards at the end of the season for the top ranking for the top people who rank um when i look at their consensus rankings of all i think they have right now 56 available uh people on there demarius thomas right now is the number two guy followed by aj green then des bryant i like des bryant more than thomas but like we said it's more of a coin flip than anything right now um they're they both get fed the ball a lot. The reason I kind of like Des more is just because there isn't as many mouths to feed. I mean, the the mouth you really want to feed out in Dallas is Des, where, you know, Peyton Manning doesn't really, you know, he might just feed Demarius the ball 20 times one week, and then the next week he's feeding it to Wes Welker, and that's just because that's how the game plan is. Yeah. And that's the only reason I kind of like Des more, but I think we can kind of both agree that AJ Green is kind of that third guy where, you know, or that fourth guy, you know, he's got the flashiness, he's good, and he's consistent, but, you know, I just, we would you say that you wouldn't want him at your number two wide receiver? I would. I mean, you could make that argument. Uh, he, he does drop a lot of balls, AJ Green, and, and Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton is uh, not Joe Montana. Um, they're I don't know how, how long of a leash that he has, um, Dalton. But yeah, his numbers were, all these guys, if you look at the numbers from a statistic standpoint, they're very similar. Um, I think Demarius Thomas had three more touchdowns than A.J. Green last year, but 
98 catches to 92 catches. Four, they both had 1,400 yards. You could make that argument. Des Bryant, I, I love him too. Um, but he's not, he's a, he's a guy that he has, he, he, he has his hissy fits and, um, and I, I don't trust Tony Romo, but you could make an argument, uh, for any of those guys behind Calvin Johnson. So we'll go ahead and talk, uh, we talked about all, all the guys here. Now looking at my rankings, uh, you know, I keep bringing this up, but it's just kind of where we kind of get a standpoint. I have AJ Green at the five spot, which, you know, pick or choose these guys, but Brandon Marshall, are you intrigued by him? Do you feel like he's kind of being left out of these top guys? I am. Uh, he's, he's, an, he's a model of consistency. Of course, he just got, what, a three-year, $30 million uh, deal the other day. So when when you do see like contracts like that, I, I do get a little nervous because of the fat cat syndrome that we saw with D- Dwayne Bow last year. I mean, they, these guys get paid, and all of a sudden the the interest um, goes out the window, and they end up with forty catches and uh, five hundred yards, and then the majority are of what the, their production comes at the end of the fantasy football season. We go, oh, geez, I invest in this guy, and so he. But I will say, Brent, you could make the Brandon Marshall's a, a top five wide receiver, in my opinion, um, as well as Julio Jones. But you know, Julio Jones had a nasty, nasty injury uh, last year, so it's health for Jones. And um, Brandon Marshall is going to be sh- Alshon Jeffrey. I think some people would make an argument that he's a top seven, eight guy. Um, so Jeffrey's what Jeffrey does could kind of take away from Marshall, which makes. Yeah, me put Marshall probably towards you know six or seven, but you could make an argument that he's a top five guy for sure. I wouldn't. So as far as consensus rankings go, Marshall's at five, Julius Jones is six, Alshon Jeffrey is at seven. The thing I love about Marshall is he gets the ball and gets the ball a lot. Uh, he is a guy where PPR leagues, he's kind of a he's. I want him more than AJ Green, yeah, just because he catches a lot more balls. He has, you know, six, seven, up to, you know, eight, nine balls or eight, nine catches a game where AJ Green sometimes will live or die off big plays. Where he'll have, you know, four catches for a hundred yards in that touchdown where Des Bryant has eight catches, a hundred yards in one touchdown. So that's you know, that's my reasoning with Brandon Marshall being up there near the top. He gets quantity and he catches a lot of the balls and Jay Cutler loves to just whip the ball all the time. Yep, yep. That uh, I I agree. But Brandon Marshall is definitely. And if you if you looked at the numbers, I have not over the last five years. I would probably I would bet my bottom dollar that that Marshall's a top three guy as far as targets. And I don't think AJ Green's that far behind him. But on a on a week to week basis, I could see Marshall. You're right, six, seven, eight catches on a Sunday, where AJ Green's more of a three. Uh, three reception guy with with a touchdown, so uh, it, it would depend on the league too. It was a PPR league, yeah. So there are different variables with these rankings, anyway. I wanna—I don't remember what what the number is, but when Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall played together in Denver, uh, it was twenty-one catches, is what it was. Brandon Marshall had twenty-one catches in a game with Jay Cutler thrown to him. And, you know, 
a lot of people don't really remember that because it was you know back to 2009. But that is a lot of balls thrown your way, and to to haul in 21 of them, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think Terrell Owens did did something like that once with with um, Steve Young. Yeah, he, he was at 20. It's unheard of. So you know, like that's pretty like that's the reason I bring that up is you know they've had this connection for a while, and you know if need be. Cutler will throw it to him as much as he has to. No safety, safety blanket. They have that. Well, they go back now. You're right. I mean, they're going back five, six, seven years. So if they don't have a pretty good working relationship by now, I mean. And exactly, you know, if Cutler and him didn't have that relationship, and you know the coaching staff didn't believe on it, they would not have signed Marshall to a longer extension. So. You know, I just, you know, all arrows always point up for me with Brandon and Marshall. He just seems to stay healthy, always on the field. I just really like the guy. He's a model of consistency for, for sure. All right, so let's go ahead and switch over here. We're flying through these tonight, Justin. Let's get into the running backs. Uh, you know, there's LaShawn McCoy, Jamal Charles, Adrian Peterson, and Forte. Um, Everyone is going to have one guy switched over the other. Uh, majority of it consensus is McCoy, Charles, are one and two. Um, what are your thoughts? Where do you have these guys and why? Um, yeah, I, Jamal Charles is, is one for me, um, definitely. And the reason why is he is the engine that keeps that Kansas City offense going. There's... There's no platoon. There's no running back by committee there. He is the guy. Uh, he gets the volume. He's going to get receptions. I, th- I think he did miss one game last year. But he's a guy that he'll have 20 touchdowns, um, 70 catches, 1,300 yards. He's a, he's a beast. Like you you just said, you could make the argument with Shady McCoy. Um, the reason why I'm not going McCoy uh, at one for me uh, is the addition of Darren Sproles um, although I don't think that Sproles will tap too much into McCoy's volume 1A and 1B for me but I have seen guys like uh, high on Forte um, and Adrian Peterson with the injury and he's getting older and he's in Minnesota you can make an argument for just about all these guys but for me, Jamal Charles is, is at the top with with Shady McCoy right behind him. So I agree with you. I like Jamal Charles. Uh, he's the feature back there. And the thing about Sean McCoy is you were absolutely right with um, Darren Sproles coming into town. You know, I can see where, you know, they run a fast offense. And there's there will be times where... Sproles is on the field, and he may run six or seven plays, and they may score. And what stinks about that is McCoy will be on the sidelines during that time. And, you know, that's just something that kind of scares me, where, you know, last year he was the only guy on the field. And so, you know, he would get those red zone touches and different things like that. And, you know, I don't think Kelly really cares who's on the field. He just wants to score the ball as fast as possible. And so, you know, that kind of scares me a little bit, and we'll kind of see more into that as preseason happens, kind of what packages they're using Sproles in and what's going on with the offense. Um, as far as my rankings, I am one of those weird people that have Forte at number one, and it's just because I like the system that he's in. And the system, 
uses Forte exactly how he should be. He's been a top, I want to say top ten running back for the past five years. And that was even with him not even getting the ball in the red zone. The guy is very consistent. I think he had 1,900 yards from scrimmage last year uh, total. And so, you know, just I like everything I kind of read on Forte. And he may not be the number one back at the end of the season, but what I feel is he's the safest pick of, of the guys. I think I, th- I really do think Adrian Peterson's going to have a little bit of a drop-off. LaShawn McCoy may have a little timeshare there. And then Jamal Charles... He he's a smaller guy and he has been known to you know miss a game or two and he can get banged up. The positive thing about Charles is he has the big play capability. Like last year, where he knocked a ton of people out of the playoffs with his what was it like sixty point performance? Yeah. What, what was it against? Um, what was it against? What was it against? Um, I don't know. I have to look at it, but yeah. That's, he can do that with five touchdowns, something like that. So, I mean, as you can see, these guys can kind of be flip-flopped and all different things like that. Um, I just I feel like Forte is the safer pick. And, you know, sometimes in fantasy, I'm that kind of player where I will go with someone who's a little more safe than a guy who has way too much upside, and you're like, man, if he doesn't pan out, I'm going to be screwed here. I just kind of like that guy where... He's consistent. You know, AP is that consistent guy too. I just don't feel he's going to be the 2,000 yard rusher that people want him to be. I feel they may have passed the ball a little more than kind of people are anticipating. Yeah. All right. I, I definitely see where you're coming from with Forte. And for me, the, these guys that we've listed are a dying breed and, and they all get the vast majority of their, their touches out of the backfield. Where if you look, if you were to look at every NFL team, I'm inclined to believe that 80% of them have um, platoons and running back by committee. Um, none of the guys that we mentioned have that issue. And I agree 100% as far as going with the safe name, the guy that you know is going to get spoon fed, and that you don't have to worry about somebody else just taking away touches or carries. For that matter, uh, Forte is Matt Forte is a guy. He's not like a. I don't really think he's that big of a household name. Man. I mean, these guys like Charles and Adrian Peterson, Shady McCoy. They wow, they overshadow him. But another modeling consistency. We were just talking about Brandon Marshall. Same team. Well, they're both steady goes. It. Yeah, and you know that's the thing. Forte gets a lot of the pass or the catches, and so does Charles and McCoy. And that's the one thing that kind of. Sk- I don't get excited about with Peterson. You know, reports are saying that Minnesota is going to pass the ball to Peterson more this season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's still kind of scary not knowing that, especially if you play in PPR leagues. You know, Peterson catching the ball, if he does that, he will be by far the number one running back if he's able to catch the ball and run downhill, like he has been able to the past couple seasons. No question. Matt Forte had 74 catches last year, and I think Adrian Peterson had 30, 29. So there's a, that's about, the difference is 50. So it's night and day as far as, um, in a PPR league. For sure, Forte is the, the safer bet. So let's go ahead and swing the gears here over to the quarterbacks. Well, we have guys like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and 
try to see who else I had here. I believe Matthew Stafford. Oh, no, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. So let's go ahead and talk about these guys, and who's your top guy, who's your bottom guy, and why? Oh, my. I'd be foolish, I think, not to go Peyton Manning until he retires. I think he's your consensus one guy. If this was two years ago, I think we'd be saying Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, but Manning just blew everybody out of the water. 55 touchdowns, 5,500 yards. He had a QB rating that was nobody's ever seen before. Um, he's Peyton Manning, and there's not much of an... And, I don't think there's, there's too, too much of a debate here. His neck has got to worry you as, as far as, uh, and he's, he's getting old, uh, as we know. Yeah. After, after Manning, I think you did, there's, a, you could debate the other three guys that you mentioned, or two guys, I should say, Rogers and Breeze, you could argue. That, you know, you kind of nailed that on the head there. Uh, Peyton Manning's neck is the, kind of, the issue, and he is getting older. You know, he, doesn't still have the zip on the ball that he's kind of always had. Uh, it doesn't, uh, it, you know, the normal eye wouldn't really see that, but, you know, you watch, like, if you actually watch him and watch him and watch him, sometimes he throws that ball and it's an ugly, ugly ball. <laughs> and, you know, it's wobbling and you don't really know how that came out of his hand. Weirdly enough, yeah, he, though, you know, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I didn't want to lose my, I had a thought real quick. He yeah, go ahead and go on. I, I, I heard he mentioned, he said something along the lines of, I don't have that 100 mile an hour fastball anymore. Uh, he made a pitcher comparison like baseball. He can't go out and strike the guy out, but he can find, he still can find ways to distribute the football. Like a pitcher painting the black instead of not overpowering you with his fastball, he's touching the black. So I, I thought it was pretty interesting, uh, what, what Manny had to say. The, now Sorry, I, I, cut you off there. I, no, 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 it's totally fine. The thing, I like Manning, and I, I totally understand the appeal of him being the number one, uh, quarterback. I have Aaron Rodgers as my number one quarterback over Peyton Manning, and it's just because of the reason that I love that he's able to throw the ball a ton. And I mean an absolute ton. He will score just as many touchdowns as Peyton Manning in a single game. But he's also capable of running the ball too. Unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers was banged up last year, and you know it hurt a lot of teams in fantasy. But I really think that you know Aaron Rodgers still plays with that chip on his shoulder, and he's going out there to prove that he is the best quarterback. And that's the thing I kind of like. You know, everyone's highlighted on Peyton Manning right now and how great he is. Well, trust me, Aaron Rodgers is not like accepting that, and he wants to prove that he is better than him. So I'm actually kind of excited about that. I think Aaron Rodgers can prove that he is the number one quarterback, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he passed Peyton Manning up, and that's why I kind of have him as my number one quarterback right now. Now, I keep talking about these rankings, and I might be, you know, I'm higher on this guy than this guy, but when it comes close to August and September, my rankings are probably going to be totally different than they are right now. You know, there's going to be a lot more information coming out. There's going to be a lot more uh, stats and game film, different things like that. But I, I just really like Aaron Rodgers, and I think that he has the upside that we were talking about uh, just as much as Manning. Yeah, there's, there's. I'm not going to argue with you there either. You could make that. What do you? I think he played nine games last year. Rodgers. Well, let's not forget that he's not going to have James Jones. He's not going to have Jermichael Finley. But what he what he does have is going to be a healthy Randall Cobb, and 
it seems like Eddie Lacy is going to be a bummer. We'll probably talk about him another show or uh, next week. Um, they have a backfield now. Aaron Rodgers, he's had all these guys, the Starks of the world, and he hasn't really had a, a, a running back. This kid, Eddie Lacy, whew, I mean, now you're talking about having balance in Green Bay. This is also something that Aaron Rodgers hasn't had. The, the, sky's, the sky's the limit. And so, yeah, what you said there is, you, you know, you have these wide receivers. He's going to have a healthy Randall Cobb. He's going to have Jordy Nelson. And then he's also going to have one other guy that people are kind of sleeping on. He's going to have Jarrett Boykin, which I kind of get excited about this guy just because he showed last year that he can produce uh, with small amounts uh, or with not getting the ball a whole lot. I, last year, I think he, he had 50 catches, 49 catches, 681 yards, and only three touchdowns. So he's averaging about 14 yards a catch, though. So you look at a guy who's, you know, in a lot of games he's getting fi- he's getting five to six balls a game. In the, in the cu- last couple games, he's getting 50 to 80 yards a game, and he's scoring po- hopefully a touchdown. I like that. And I think he's going to be a sleeper, and we'll get into him later on with our other topics, but he's a guy that people aren't really talking about, and he, I can kind of see him playing the slot and being a big contributor to this offense. Yep, he opened up a few eyes, and, and he had to. When Randall Cobb was out, somebody had to step in, and he was that guy, and I, I think he surprised a bunch of owners too, because you, you could go ahead and get him on the wire, and he, he helped a few teams out, that's for sure. Then I'm I, sorry. I keep backtracking here, but I'm like, look. I was looking looking through his stats, and he had two games where he had eight catches. Uh, he had three games of over five catches, or wait, he had four games of over that, where he had five, six, five, six, five, and then the two eight games. So I like his consistency there, and. Like we said, though, it's going to help Aaron Rodgers out. He's going to have Cobb. He's going to have Nelson. And then he's going to have this guy, Boykin, which people really aren't talking about yet. He's a young – he's young. He's 24 years old. I kind of like him. And I think that the Packers offense, like you said with Eddie, Eddie Lacy, is going to be something to be – like people are going to be kind of nervous about. Definitely. And he's going to be – I think week one, uh, Boykin will, will be your number three wide receiver in Green Bay. Uh, so we've talked about Manning, we've talked about Rodgers. Let's go ahead and talk about Luck and Drew Brees. Um, you know, as far as I would say, Luck is the third one of the two. I understand anyone's argument, but the, the weapons aren't there compared to Manning and Rodgers. Would you agree with that? For for Luck, uh, for for Brees and Luck, would you agree that their weapons aren't as significant as Rodgers and Manning? For Andrew Luck, I and I keep when I talk about Andrew Luck, and I have talked about him in the last couple of months. He has a ton of wide receivers here. I mean, a ton of them. We're talking about T.Y. Hilton, a healthy Reggie Wayne, Brazil, Hakeem Nicks. They just signed Griff Whalen, the Rick Rogers, Colby Flaner, who we played with at Stanford. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So I, I'm not gonna. I actually think he has more weapons. Um, but sometimes, uh, just because he has 15 different guys he can throw to, the quality might not be there. But he has a lot of young guys at his disposal. You nailed it there. I was getting ready to say, you have a lot of 
C and B players where Manning and Rodgers have A players. And, you know, that's the big thing for Luck is, you know, he does have Akeem Nix. He has T.Y. Hilton. And, you know, the thing with T.Y. Hilton is I don't think they wanted him to be the all-star last year. You know, there's a reason Hayward Bay was put on the field. He just didn't produce. And T.Y. Hilton stepped up, and that's the guy they kind of went with. A stat I learned last year, and I live by it the rest of the season once I learned it, T.Y. Hilton is dramatically terrible outside. Every time he plays outdoors, his numbers, like, I want to say it was something ridiculous, where he, uh, indoors he averaged like 80 yards and a touchdown. Indoors, he averaged 30 yards and no touchdown. It, it's, I'll wow. have to pull up the stat and I'll show it to you and we'll talk about it at a later time. But, you know, something like that worries me when you have someone like Andrew Luck, where, you know, all of a sudden the playmaker T.Y. Hilton's out. You know, who does he go to? Hayward Bay? Nope. Hakeem Nix? Question mark, more or less. I mean, if someone's going to come out here and tell me Hayward Bay is going to be a number two wide receiver in fantasy, I'm going to laugh at you in the face. I mean, no one has that answer yet. And, you know, what we are talking about, though, is I do love Reggie Wayne. And I love the consistency there. I like Dwayne Allen. And, you know, like you said, Kobe Fleener, they're going to run two tight ends. They're going to have uh, Reggie Wayne on the outside. So there's a lot of positiveness for Andrew Luck, and especially that he can make plays with his legs. Uh, 40 touchdowns. 40 touchdowns. I can see Andrew Luck throwing. You heard it here. 40 40 (laughs) touchdowns. 40-plus touchdowns if, if he plays all 16 years. Uh, that's my opinion. I'm going, you know, I'm, 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 I'm rolling the dice and I'm, I'm high, high on, on luck. He's going to be the, he's the future face of the NFL. He's just get, you can see him getting better and better and better every year. And now he has, well, they, I know they picked up Akeem Nix, who didn't have a single touchdown. I read earlier with the Giants last year. Not one touchdown, Akeem Nix. So. Yeah. But, it- it was a struggle if anyone drafted him last year and hoping for the best. I mean, not a single touchdown. And, you know, my – I actually have Andrew Luck as my eighth quarterback right now. And I ha- I've i had him up as high as five, and it's it's moving up and down. There's just players like Robert Griffin and Cam Newton who kind of excite me more. And, you know, we can get into the second tier of quarterbacks next week. And it's, I just feel like Andrew Luck – is going to have more of a down season. Uh, you know, the Houston Texans aren't going to be as easy to roll over, especially with that defense that they have there now. I just, I don't know. I just, I'm not feeling Andrew Luck as a top five guy right now. And, you know, I love your enthusiasm and I see, I get exactly where you're coming from because I've been there. I was on that, uh, I was teetering on that ledge and I was just like, man, I want to pull the trigger. I was just like, you know, I just, I feel more strongly for someone who, like Robert Griffin, who is in a more pass happy offense. Yeah. No, I, I, maybe I, I'm loving luck because I know that in a draft I can get him later. I don't have to go ahead and reach on a Manning or a Breeze or a A-Rod rounds one, two, and three. And maybe those guys will drop a little bit. I know that I can get luck later on, and I'm going to get, in my opinion, and again, I'm going out just as, as good a production uh, as some of those guys you just mentioned later on. So from a value standpoint, um, I'm loving Andrew Luck. Whether he's a top five guy, the jury's out on that too. Um, but 
Drew Brees on that list that we we're going to talk about, tour? Yeah, Drew Brees was, and I, you know, I want to make a point of this real quick. I love exactly what you said there. Um, you know, value is one of the most important things when it does come to fantasy football. You know, reaching for a guy too early really can bite you in the butt, and you know, the value is a very, very important thing, especially with someone like you said. You know, luck you can get him later on in you know roughly the fourth, fifth, sixth round. And doing that, you're able to establish a very good team at the beginning and not have to reach later on for, you know, a running back two or your second running back and really hoping that he produces and you're just kind of guessing. Yep. So, you know, let's go ahead and you can talk a little about Drew Brees and what you kind of expect from him. Uh, after Manning, I'm going to have to put Brees or Rogers, I think. Between Manning, Rodgers, and Brees, you could make an argument for any of those guys being the number one. Uh, Drew Brees has been your absolute model of consistency over the last decade or so. He's another guy you just mentioned that we're with T.Y. Hilton as far as um, uh, what he does inside and what he does outside. Brees at home is... You know, the best quarterback you've ever seen in your eyes, with, with your eyes. Uh, outside, things tend to change. We talked about this kid, um, Crooks uh, last week. Um, the kid that they, they traded up for. Who Drew Brees is, is gonna have a, a relationship from the early goings. He's another guy that has five, six wide receivers, um, but they're all Mediocre. Uh, Mark Skolston is on the wrong side of 30. Uh, Kenny Stills is, 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 is intriguing. Uh, until Drew Brees retires, um, just like Manning, I mean, these guys seem to keep getting older and older, but their production stays at the top. So I, I love Drew Brees. And I love him at home, especially. When he starts playing outside, that's when the numbers, you know, go south, but uh, they're putting some um, some weapons in place in, in New Orleans. Even though they got rid of Sproles, they're going to chuck the ball. I mean, we were talking about Jimmy Graham earlier. I mean, he's a guy that's going to have 40-plus touchdowns, close to 5,000 yards. Just going to happen. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, and, you know, you, the consistency is is amazing there, and that's exactly what he does. He goes out, he chucks the ball, and he has the capability of having those big games and then has those down games also. Uh, but, you know, his down games are more of like a quarterback two compared to like, you know, someone else who will only sc- like score you five points. Drew Brees is going to get you at least like 15 points every game. And so the consistency and like how great he is, uh, you know, is really a key thing to have. We get uh, spoiled. We're spoiled. <laughs> He's outside. It's just as good as any of this the lower tier guys, but we're used to him having thrown four touchdowns every week. So when he throws two, we get up in arms about it. So I went ahead and I Googled that stat when we were talking about T.Y. Hilton. And one of the top people that came up was Evan Silva, uh, who we're going to have on the show next week. Uh, his exact tweet was, T.Y. Hilton's per game stat average over the span. Uh, so this is outdoors. He averages 3.8 catches a game, 36 yards, zero touchdowns outdoors. Indoors, he averages 4.5 catches a game, not much more, but 90 yards, 
and .7 touchdown. So as you can see there, the, it's a huge, huge difference from indoors to outdoors. And that, you know, that's a, a big thing to, to me is, you know, you're going to have to look each week of, man, Hilton's playing outdoors. Who am I going to start this week? And you're going to have that headache high level. Yeah, he's he's about T.Y. Hilton is not a big man, but I mean he is. He kind of reminds me. Of, I don't know if you remember Dante Hall with uh, Kansas City. He's he's about five six, five seven. He's he's lanky, but uh, where Reggie Wayne went down last year again, somebody had to fill in, and T.Y. Hilton was that guy. Yeah, I, I I understand the appeal, and he is a great player. It's just. You know, I I love consistency, and you know I'd rather go with someone who's going to average just a little better and be that safer play for me, so I don't have that headache of, you know, seriously staring at the screen like, come on, break this play, break this play, break this play, and having that heart attack and you know really like gambling of, I lost this week because he played outdoors. Exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. Don't play him outside, but when he's inside, he's he's golden. We were. We were talking before the show about the analytics as far as fantasy football. I mean, how does somebody come up with those numbers? I mean, that Evan Silva's like a Bill Belichick of fantasy football. I mean, just to even find something like that. And I think I read that, as a matter of fact. It was probably six months ago. I do think I read that. Uh, fascinating stuff. Yeah, and so, I mean, he'll kind of go into the numbers hopefully next week and kind of tell us how he comes up with the stuff, you know, and, you know, is it an idea or, you know, wh what kind of happens and what goes through his mind and kind of give some of you guys, you know, maybe this will help you able to research different things and where he comes up with these stuff. Yeah, I actually had the joy of interviewing him. His rankings just came out yesterday. I think he had the top 200 rankings, which is awesome stuff oh. on Rota World. Um that's so many people. <laughs> At two two hundred. I mean, it's like I said, he's um, the Bill Belichick of fantasy football. But he had something interesting inside the the interview that I had. I actually got a kick of it. It made me feel old. Um, I I asked him how he got into fantasy football, and he told me that his father was um, the commissioner of his office league, and he would have Evan whenever was a kid. Uh, break down the numbers through the USA Today, and I remember I can remember doing that right out of high school, looking at the Boston Herald and seeing who had this amount of tackles, because we, you know, a, a laptop wasn't a, a household appliance. So I, I, I got a kick out of that. That's, I guess it, when you're fantasy football lifers, you know, most of us start in our teens. Now I'm going to be 32 in July, and just you know, I, I thought that was interesting stuff. No, and I mean, it's crazy how the game has evolved in such a, I mean, even a short time. I mean, Twitter now, you're able to get any type of artifact or, you know, any type of breaking news in seconds. And it's just amazing, like, how up-to-date everyone is and, you know, the stats that people get. And, you know, I there's this uh, stat that Mike Clay goes off of, and it's called the ADOT, and it's the... Uh, the average um, depth of touch or something like that, I think is what it is. And it, it talks about, you know, guys who, like, run slants and guys who run deeper, you know, it's where uh, where does he touch the ball? And, like, on average, Torrey Smith touches the ball further down the field than any other wide receiver, which is kind of, you know, 
it's not necessarily the most necessary stat to know, but you know, sometimes it's nice to know if this guy is just always catching quick slants and breaking them for big and getting lucky and breaking them for big games, or if he's consistently catching the ball at around like, you know, the 12 yard mark or the 8 yard mark and knowing where his uh, performance is coming from. You know, sometimes stuff like that is very interesting and is very helpful to a player. Certainly interesting if you have, if you have the time to <laughs> that's break the, things like that down. That's um, the key. God, the time. God love you. God love you. <laughs> that's the key. There, time. So, but but you're right. Um, we can go on Twitter and find out what happened. You know, instantly. Where, like we said back in the day, I would we would play fantasy football on Sunday, and then I'd have the following day go by the the Boston Herald and the back of the Boston Herald is the box scores, and then you have to see how many. You know, Michael Strahan, how many sacks he had, if he had any tackles. Then I break out my pen and paper, and I got to do the math. And okay, he had a half a sack. Michael Barrow had this many tackles, and and now we just go. It's all, it's like the Jetsons. You know, they used to be like the Flintstones. Those were the days. <laughs> but we got to, we're, we're growing with the times, and we. I also touched a little bit at the end of the interview with him. We're not going to, you know, you you guys can read it for yourself. Um, When it when it comes out on fakepigskin.com, we I I touched a little on the daily fantasy um, things too. So you're not you know you're not married to one fantasy team anymore. You can have a different team every week. You can have five different teams if you if you choose. And so, yeah, we'll get into more of the daily stuff further on in the season. I, I mean, it's one of the, the neatest and it's, you know, it's fantasy. The game is evolving tremendously. And so, I mean, we could talk about it now, but, you know, it's more of kind of, you have to play it to kind of understand it and, you know, with kind of the idea of knowing what's going on. So, I mean, as it gets closer, I mean, you and me will absolutely be talking about our lineups and who we're kind of going with and why. Yes. It's important in life to have something to look forward to, so we don't want to throw it all into one show. Just kind of drag it out. And we're, what do you think, Chris? We're going tier by tier each week. Maybe next week we'll, we'll talk about like the second or third tier positions and cool now with Evan. You know, yeah. I like to go over the cerebral side of things with him because uh, he's one of these analytical guys. We, you know, like you said, he he was the one that that wrote that T. Y. Hilton. Um, Segment there, so he. I mean, it'd be interesting to to pick his brain on guys like um, lower tier guys. He actually gave me a list of some sleepers in in that interview. So yeah, we'll be glad to go over all that different stuff as the weeks come. We're going to talk to him and see, kind of pick his brain a little bit about what he has to say. Um, but for this week, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Um, I first off want to go ahead and thank uh, uh, Fake Pigskin again for letting us uh, be on the website, letting us have this great podcast. Uh, go ahead and check us out at th- uh, we are third and out or th- 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 three and th- out. Three and out. Enough. Goodness, goodness, I'm having We're a trying. break right there. Um, we kids. We're tired. Our brains are jelly. I know it's getting that time. It's be- it's almost bedtime. Uh, again, uh, I'll post out my, on Twitter, at the, at the Grizzly Beard, I'll post out my rankings. You guys can go ahead and, uh, check those out. You can yell at me for how stupid I am on Twitter, and I'll be gladly accepting it with a grain of salt. Um, you have anything else, anything else you want to go ahead and wrap up with, Justin? 
I don't. I think we're, I think we, we, we touched on just about all the, you know, we, um, this week was the upper echelon guys. Next week we'll hit a, hit a different, uh, tier. All right. I'm good. I'm good. So we are out. Thanks everyone for listening.